Hi, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cameron Weens. My parents are John and Karen Weens. I'm 14 years old and I've been going to Cornerstone Community Church since I was one year old. I grew up in a Christian family where having a relationship with God is important. My parents encouraged me to pray and do my devotions every night before bed. I have found this to be a helpful way to deepen my relationship with God and to learn more about Him. Sometimes what I've read in my devotions is exactly what I needed to hear that day, which shows me that God is working in my life. The song Waymaker reminds us that God never stops working, even if we don't see it. There have been times where I felt like God wasn't there when He didn't answer my prayers the way I wanted Him to. But then I realized that He has a bigger plan for me and I should trust in Him even when it feels like He's not there. When I was around seven, I remember asking Jesus into my heart. In Sunday school, we had been learning about what we needed to do to be saved, and I realized I wanted to follow God for the rest of my life. One significant moment that comes to mind when thinking of my relationship with God was when my brothers were quadding a few years ago and they flipped. Neither of them were injured. I knew that God was taking care of them and protecting them from harm. It made me realize how real God is and that I can trust in Him. I see God's goodness and faithfulness all the time in so many things He's provided, including my family and friends, answered prayers, and through everything He's created. My favorite Bible verse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. This verse is motivating because it says that you can do anything with Christ's strength. I know that I don't need to be afraid because Christ's strength lives in me. I've seen my life start to change as I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I've started to listen to more worship music, pray more, and read the Bible, which all make me feel closer to God. Jesus is making a difference in my life by helping me make the right decisions and becoming more like Him. Knowing that I have Jesus to talk to and that He listens makes me feel cared for and that I can love and care for others in the same way. I decided to get baptized today because I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus and live for Him. My name is Leva Bain, and my parents are Kevin and Cherry Bain, who have blessed me with the privilege of learning about God and His salvation through Jesus from the very beginning of my life. At a young age, I gave my life to God, but I didn't really know what that meant. In reality, I did not live a life that reflected what God desired for me. Because of my little knowledge and little faith, when I was exposed to more of the real world, my relationship with God became nothing. I started to think that I know it all, and that there was no need for God. It was the summer of 2020 that I came to realize that I needed a Savior to save me from my sins. As I confessed my need for forgiveness, I began to trust that Jesus died and rose again for me. And slowly, He really came into my life. With Jesus as the center of my life, I find I am more joyful, and He has helped me grow in self-control and patience. He has helped me to make much better choices with my life. Every time I go to Camp Crossroads, I gain a new perspective of God in life. A significant breakthrough moment in my walk with God was last summer when I went to camp. Josh Clausen was the speaker, and that Wednesday night, he invited us to confess our sins and make God the center of our life. As I did that again, God helped me to create better habits with reading the Bible and praying. I felt like that moment I chose to trust in God and worship Him with 100% of my life. There have been many people who have influenced me to make the decision of getting baptized today. My parents have been very influential in my life, answering most of the questions I have had. From a young age, they have taught me to believe and trust in God fully. 
I'm fortunate to have four grandparents who have been very involved in my life and love and follow God. I'm very thankful for youth leaders who have consistently shown me to live a life that reflects Jesus in many ways. As I've grown up, worship songs have become much more meaningful to me and I've come to realize that we are celebrating who Jesus is and what he has done when we worship. As my relationship with Jesus grows, I find myself thinking about these songs and singing them with more passion. One of my favorite Bible verses is Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food? And is the body more than clothes? This verse reminds me that life is not about my pleasure or perfect circumstance. Even though I tend to worry about these things, when I read this verse, I'm reminded that God, God is enough for me and he will provide for me. I don't need to worry about meaningless things, but instead put my energy into making disciples. I'm choosing to be baptized today to publicly declare my faith in Jesus and to share with the world that I will walk with him for the rest of my life. I hope I can use my gifts God has given me to make more disciples of Jesus. Hi, my name is Erilyn Unra, and my parents are Matt and Christina. My parents have been a strong influence in my faith ever since I was really young. I love to have family conversations about faith and especially reading Bible stories for bedtime. But what has strengthened my faith even more has been youth, attending Bible study, attending day camp, and being able to be part of the staff team last summer, being a camper at Camp Crossroads, and being part of the SOAR team that went on the missions trip in 2022. I've seen my life start to change as I surrendered my life to Jesus, and one example of this is going on the Guatemala missions trip. This trip was very impactful in my life, and I got to experience a new culture, as well as grow in my spiritual journey. I learned that I can be free to worship God, and it doesn't matter what others think of me, because my identity is in Christ. I'm a daughter of a loving, gracious King who welcomes me into his family with open arms. Through listening to sermons on Sundays, and going to Bible study, I have realized that I need a Savior because I am broken and need forgiveness and saving. The wages of sin is death, but because Christ has traded places with me, He offers me peace, comfort, forgiveness, love, and eternal life. I have made the choice to get baptized because I have realized that I am sinful by nature, but God still loves me no matter what I have done or what I will do. I don't have to do anything to deserve His love as well as that I don't have to do anything to make him love me more or less than he already does, because he loves me the maximum amount. In other words, I am loved unconditionally. I know that following Jesus is going to be hard, and that it's not always going to be easy. He will put me through many trials in life, but I know he shows his faithfulness and will walk beside me every step of the way. John 16.33 says, I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. One song by We the Kingdom, called Peace, says in the chorus, Peace holds me when I'm broken, sweet peace that passes understanding. When the whole wide world is crashing down, I fall to my knees and breathe in your peace. So today I'm excited to declare the next step in my walk with Jesus. Thank you for being part of my faith community and celebrating with me today. 
My name is Noah White. My parents are Adam and Emma White. I was raised in a Christian home and I've always known about God. Conversations with my parents and going to Sunday school has taught me about how much God loves me and how he is always there for me. At a young age, I remember praying with my mom and deciding to accept Christ as my personal savior. So far in my journey, I would say things have been fairly easy for me. As I have gotten older, I realize it is because I surrendered my life to Christ. I want to make choices that God would want to make for me. And when I think about why I continue to follow Christ, it is because I know that there are going to be many tough times in life where I will need to rely on Him. One example is when I recently found out that my nana has been diagnosed with cancer. My faith has helped me to know that God is here for both her and I, listening to our prayers and inviting Him to trust Him. A few months ago, I came to the decision that I need to be baptized to take the next step in following God and growing in my faith. However, I was just unsure about the timing. I started to pray that God would show me when I should be baptized. Fast forward to March break of this year, and I, and I went on the missions trip to Guatemala. I was fortunate to be able to attend this trip with our youth group. It was an amazing experience and one I will never forget. Over the week, I had many great conversations with the youth leaders and my friends. One in particular conversation would be with Hudson where he just encouraged me to keep growing and not to be scared to take that next step in my faith. These conversations again got me thinking about baptism. One day when we were in Guatemala, 14 kids from the school were being baptized. With five kids left, our youth leader Caitlin and Chantel, the worker from Global Shores, asked if I had ever taken the plunge. When they said I should do it, I said no because I couldn't do that to my mom. After all the students were finished, the question was asked again if anybody wanted to be baptized. I don't know what it was, but I felt like something was telling me to do it. So I started taking off my shoes and running to the tank. Michael had to run after me. I was so grateful to have the opportunity and the privilege to have all these people praying over me afterwards, as well as being able to call my mom and tell her the news. A verse that has been important to me in my life right now is Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be there wherever you go. When I reflect on how much God has done for me, I always think about the amazing opportunities I've been given from Him. I'm so thankful for my family, community, youth leaders, and friendships that care for me and always encourage me. So this is our 
last message in our Easter series where we've been looking at the appearances uh, of Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension to his disciples, where Jesus meets his disciples in the messy parts of life. We've looked at Jesus meeting Thomas in his doubt. We've looked last week at Jesus meeting uh, these disciples on the Emmaus Road in their disappointment and discouragement. We've seen him meet Mary in her grief. And today, uh, we meet Peter, Jesus meets Peter in his failure. This isn't a very good sermon for good Christians. If you're a really good Christian, this isn't a really good message for you. But if, like me, you often fail to live up to your best intentions, if, like me, you're someone who often does dumb things or says dumb things, I think we see a beautiful revelation of who Jesus is in this story. This is the story about Simon Peter. I don't know how much you know about Simon Peter, but allow me to set the scene with you from a few episodes from Simon's life. He was one of the 12, one of the 12 disciples, and he was one of the three of the inner circle. He's one of Jesus' closest disciples. But to understand, uh, to understand Simon Peter, I think we need to understand a few of these scenes at least to understand the story. The, the first scene is uh, Simon called by the Sea of Galilee, the same sea that this story in John 21 takes place, the Sea of Tiberias, which in verse 1 is this, it's just another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's the same, same body of water. You can read about this calling in Luke chapter 5, where... Uh, Simon Peter is out fishing with his brother Andrew and his cousins, James and John, the son of Ze- sons of Zebedee. And they fish all night long, but catch nothing. Sound familiar? And Jesus is on the shore. Jesus borrows their boat and does some teaching with them. And he says, uh, after Jesus is finished teaching from the boat to those who are on the shore, he says, let's go out a little bit deeper and let's try to fish. And they're like, Jesus, we fished all night, we caught nothing. But because you say so, we'll try one more time. And they, they try one more time, and they haul in a massive load of fish. Sounds familiar. Simon comes to Jesus, and he falls to his knees, and he says, depart from me, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, I'm calling you, Simon. From now on, you'll no longer fish for fish. You're going to fish for people. You'll be catching people. And so Simon, from that time, left everything. He left his business, and he left the nets, and he left the boats. He left the most lucrative day in his business career and left it all behind and began to follow Jesus, to live into that call that Jesus has of fishing for people. Scene number two, Simon's confession near Caesarea Philippi. All four Gospels record this this moment. It's a turning point in a Jesus ministry. Jesus is walking with his disciples on the road near Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples, who do the crowds 
say that I am. There was much confusion about who Jesus is. There was lots of speculation and theories because there's this man who is teaching with authority. There's this miracle worker. There's a healer doing all kinds of impressive things. And everyone's wondering, who is this person? Who is this man? Is one of the key questions in Mark's gospel, for example, which was narrated by Peter. Who do people say that I am? And the disciples are like, well, people have all kinds of ideas. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Some say all kinds of different things. There's a lot of confusion, Jesus, about who you are and what you're up to. And he said, Jesus then says, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon, as he is uh, wont to do, pipes up first and says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the one whom we have waited for. You are the one who has been promised for ages to come, the Messiah, the Christ. You are the the deliverer, the savior. You are the one who is going to fight Israel's battles. You are the one who is going to set us free. You are our redeemer and our savior, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, or to Simon, he says, Your name is no longer Simon. Your name is Peter, which means rock. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Upon what rock? Upon Peter? No, upon that confession. Upon Peter's confession that Jesus is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the Savior. He's the Son of the living God. It's on the confession of who Jesus is and all that he has accomplished that Jesus' church is built. And so Simon's name is changed from Simon to Peter at his confession of faith. You can read about that, for example, in Matthew 16. Scene number three, Peter's confidence in the upper room. The night that Jesus was was betrayed. You read about this in Matthew 26, Luke 22, Or John 13. Jesus says he's gathered his disciples to enjoy, to to have one last Passover meal, and he institutes the Lord's Supper at that time, uh, and and the communion supper that that we continue to celebrate, where he says, This is my body, this is my blood broken for you. And and he's, he's having this last time. There's an upper room discourse, there's much teaching you can read about in John's Gospel that Jesus gives in this upper room. So he's about to be betrayed by Judas, who's, in, who's there together with them. He's about to go on trial later that night and through the night and the next morning be put to death on the cross. And he says to his disciples, tonight all of you are going to fall away because of me. All of you, in a few hours, all of you who have left everything to follow me for these last three years, all of you are going to desert me. You're all going to run away. You're all going to turn tail. You're all going to leave me alone. And Peter again pipes up and he says, Lord, even I, I, can, I can see these 11 guys doing that. But even if all of them do it, I will never desert you. I am ready to even die with you. I will never. I'm ready to die with you. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Satan has asked to sift you, he says, but I've prayed for you. And when you have returned... Strengthen your brothers. 
He, Jesus predicts that Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. And he says, Satan is going to want to kind of sift or eclipse you. He, he's going to want to separate us. But I've prayed for you. And I'm predicting not only that you're going to deny me, but that we're going to return together. You're, and when you do, strengthen your brothers. But Peter's full of brash and bravado, full of self-confidence. Yeah, full of pride. I, those guys, they may desert you, but I will never. I'm ready to die with you. Scene number four. Later that night, Peter, after Jesus' arrest, follows the mob to the high priest's house. And there's a charcoal fire out just outside and Peter's warming himself around a charcoal fire. And three times he's asked, well, aren't you one of his disciples? Three times. I do not know the man. I do not know the man. And Mark's gospel, again, narrated by Peter to Mark, is the most damning of all. He says, Peter began to swear and to curse. He's cussing. He's swearing I do not know the bleeping man. May I be damned if I do. Around a charcoal fire, the rooster crows. And it says, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Resurrection Sunday, Luke 24 Remember, the, we looked at this, if you were here last week, these, uh, Cleopas and likely his wife Mary are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They meet Jesus. Jesus is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So he explains the scripture to them, and they're like, oh, that is Jesus. Jesus is obviously a little different in a resurrected form, right? There's many times in these resurrection appearances, the disciples don't recognize him right away because he's the same and yet somehow different. 1 Corinthians 15 explains that a little bit, if you're interested. Um, but those disciples then return to Jerusalem and they meet the larger group of disciples and probably in that same upper room and, they, and the disciples are like, they, 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 Cleopas is going back with the news that Jesus is really risen. We've seen him and they're greeted by the disciples in Jerusalem saying, the Lord is risen and he's appeared to Simon. And they're like, yeah, we know he's risen. We, we met him too. So Jesus, on Resurrection Sunday, sets aside a personal and private meeting with Simon Peter. We don't know what happened at that meeting. It's private. But sets the stage for this, now a later appearance, recorded for us in John 21. And I think this little episode, this little story shows more clearly than anywhere else what Jesus will be like when we fail him. You might wrestle with that question. What will Jesus be like if I fail him? What will Jesus be like if I'm not really, really good at being really, really good? What will Jesus be like with me? How will Jesus relate to me 
if I deny him by my actions and my words? What will Jesus be like when I fail him? How can I expect to relate with him? Three thoughts to answer this question. How will Jesus relate to failed disciples? Well, the first is that Jesus welcomes Peter. John, who's the, the beloved disciple, the disciple Jesus loves, he doesn't name himself. He's the one who's like, uh, we've been here before. This, we're replaying the story again. Fish all night, catch nothing, try one more time at the word of someone else, and we catch way more than we can handle. We've been here. This is obviously the Lord. They're 100 yards away. It's probably hard to recognize across that distance. This is Jesus. And Peter, in character, is like, it's Jesus. And he just leaves the rest of the 153 fish and the boats and everything for the, for the other guys to bring in. And he hops in the water and he's running. He wants to be near Jesus. And what's Jesus' response when Peter boldly comes before him? As a failed disciple, Jesus boldly, or Peter boldly comes towards Jesus. What is, what's Jesus' response? Get out of here. I'll wait for the more faithful, hardworking disciples. No. Let's have breakfast. Let's have breakfast. All together with the community of disciples, Peter didn't run away from Jesus. Peter didn't run away from the community of disciples, even though he was exposed as a failure. See, they all knew. They all knew about Peter's denial. John was there. John overheard it. They knew what Peter had done. Friends, our spiritual maturity is revealed not so much by how well we obey, but by by how we respond when we don't obey. Our spiritual maturity is revealed not by how well you obey, because you can obey for all kinds of reasons. Many of us obey out of pride or fear. Spiritual maturity is revealed by how you respond when you fail. You see, we believe our relationship with God is based on Jesus' obedience, not mine, and not yours. A relationship with God is based on Jesus' death and resurrection, paying for our sins, to restore us to God. In our relationship with God, what we contribute is sin that breaks the relationship. It's all of grace. Grace from beginning to end. Grace upon grace upon grace. We contribute nothing. And so when we come face to face with our sin, with our failure, when we're exposed for not being perfectly faithful, when we're exposed as failures, as sinners, as broken people, it'll expose whether we believe in grace or not. If we feel when, we're, when our sin, when we come face to face with our sin, when we're exposed as being broken, if, we, if our response is to run away from Jesus or to run away from the community disciples, isn't that showing a little bit that we at least 
think that some of it is based on how well we behave. That we're having confidence in ourselves. You see, if, if, if I believe that my relationship with God is sustained by my obedience to Jesus, then failure is devastating. But if it's grace, if it's grace, if my relationship with God is based on Jesus' record and his obedience and his death and resurrection, my failure actually changes none of that. That we're just as secure in the love of God as when we're faithful, as when we're unfaithful. There's two charcoal fires, but in between is the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that makes all the difference. You know, Jesus was hanging on the cross. He didn't didn't shout out, guys, try your best. Go for it. Go all in. On the cross, he said what? It is finished he remembers your sin no more you don't have to pay him back if like me you're a failed disciple you don't have to make up for it you don't have to pay him back he's paid for it you don't have to go into a timeout it's by grace you're like, yeah, but I sin every day. Yes, well, guess what? His mercies are new every morning. And his faithfulness is very great. See, Peter was so confident in himself, right? He had confidence in his confidence in Jesus. He was trusting in, his, trusting in Jesus. He was, had faith in his faith. Yeah, these guys might desert you, but I would never do that. And Peter is learning that his faithfulness and his strength and his zeal for Jesus are not reliable sources for a lasting relationship with God. His faithfulness, his strength, his zeal, his service will not sustain a relationship with God. I've had to learn this. Have you had to learn this? Hard work, determination, grit, grit it out, gut it out. It's not the same thing as spiritual strength. In my life, that's led to failures in an area where I felt confident in myself. But listen, friends, Jesus is the friend of failed disciples. He welcomes Peter's to come into his presence. Jesus welcomes Peter. Let's have breakfast, which is an invitation to intimacy, to friendship. Secondly, I better hurry up. Jesus heals Peter. He asks him, in the Greek, Simon bar Jonah. Simon bar, which means son of. English translation says John, but it's Greek, Jonah. Jonah remind you of anyone? The failed prophet? The one who went down? to Tarshish, who went down into the belly of a ship, who went down into the sea, who went down into the belly of the fish, who went down, 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 away from God, but who was given a fresh start by the grace of God. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? What are the these? 
The fish? Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than the nets and the boats, the fishing profession? Do you love me more than these guys love me? Is what he's asking. Simon, do you love me more than these guys love me? Do you still have the bravado to say, I would never do that? Jesus goes to the awkward and painful elephant in the room, but he doesn't bring up anything that he does not intend to heal. He goes to the heart of the matter, but he only goes to places where he intends to bring his healing. And healing comes with repentance, comes through repentance. He needs Peter to own it, to take responsibility. You see, Jesus is a safe person to be a failure with. This is a, friends, this is a safe church to be a sinner in, to be a failure, to be one who struggles. That's our, that's our vision. That's our aim, to be a safe community, like Jesus is a safe person to be a failure with. Notice what Jesus doesn't ask. He doesn't say, Simon, are you ever going to deny me again? Simon, will you ever be overconfident again? Will you, Peter, are you, are you all in here? Are you fully committed now? He says, do you love me? See, the call of Jesus is to nurture our love for him more than our zeal for him. Because our service, our energy, our zeal flows out of our love, not the other way around. And then lastly, Jesus restores Peter. He asks him, not once, not twice, but three times. Can you imagine being the other disciples kind of overhearing that? And you're like, oh, he asked him again. He asked him a third time. Like he goes to the awkward place. He goes to the hard place. To match Peter's three denials, he asks him three times. It's important to know that the number three in Scripture is an image or a symbol of completion, being complete, completeness. Remember Isaiah 6? Isaiah has this vision of, of... around the throne of God, and there's angels, and they're flying, and, and, and what do they say? They say, holy, 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 completely, utterly holy is the Lord Almighty. Three is this image of completion. You see, Jesus' restoration of Peter is as thorough as Peter's denial. And Jesus' restoration, Jesus' healing, will have the last and loudest word in Peter's life. Peter, your failure will not define you. Jesus' love defines you. Peter, your denials will not define who you are. Jesus' grace will. Jesus has the last word. His love is greater than your sins, and grace is stronger than your shame. And so Peter receives a commission again. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my people. Not with this bravado and overconfidence and, and self-righteousness and self-confidence of saying, I'm better and I love Jesus more than all of y'all. Just feed them. Feed them my grace. Peter, you're humbled. 
in repentance and you're ready to feed my people. And he did. A few days later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, is poured out on the church. Who is preaching that sermon that results in 3,000 being baptized in the name of Jesus? It's Peter. Though we read in Acts and in Galatians that Peter still struggled, Peter still messed up, he still got it wrong, and yet he was ready to confess his sin and repent. Peter had thought that he would be the greatest leader in the Christian church because he would obey the best that he would be the most faithful, that he was the most devoted, and that's what would qualify him to be the greatest leader in the Christian church. And what Jesus is saying is, no, it's your repentance that qualifies you. The greatest repenter is those who get to lead. See, Peter had this confidence that it was his obedience and his performance would, would qualify him the most, and he'd perform the worst. And Jesus says, if you repent... That's what qualifies you. The biggest failures, if they repent, if they humble themselves, can qualify you. You see, if you acknowledge your sin, you'll experience the glory of forgiveness. You'll experience the beauty of healing and restoration. God will be your God. And you will walk with him. Jesus says, follow me. You will walk with him, though you may limp, and though you may go off course. The shepherd of the sheep, the chief shepherd, he'll he'll guide you and lead you all the days of your life. Peter, towards the end of his life, writes some letters to suffering Christians around the world. We have these letters, and one of the he says to encourage these people. Though you, have, though you haven't seen Jesus, you believe in him. You trust him, and you, though you see him not, you love him. Nurture your love for him. See, Jesus, Peter, the lesson of Peter is to nurture your love for Jesus more than your zeal, your motivation, your strength, your devotion. Nurture your love. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. I don't love you perfectly, but you know all things. You know that I love you. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace given to us through Christ. Father, we do acknowledge our sin. We confess that we often get it wrong. And we're often overconfident and self-confident. Like Peter, we say dumb things. We think too highly of ourselves. But Jesus, we just love that you are a God who heals and restores anyone who would come to you and repent. So we own our sin. We own it. We, we stop making excuses in these moments and we say, would you heal us? Would you welcome us? Would you meet us? He, may, may my brothers and sisters in this room and anyone who hears my voice, Lord, would they experience that you are a God who is rich in love, who loves to cover over a multitude of sins by your grace and throw them in the depths of the sea and remember them no more and to, to give us 
a new start, a new life to give us your spirit. So Lord Jesus, we declare our love for you, our love for your grace today. And it's through Jesus we pray, amen. So today we're excited to celebrate the goodness of God in Erlin's life. And um, also it's such a joy and an honor to celebrate with you as well, with our, our family, our immediate family, and our faith family here as well. That means so much to us. We are excited to celebrate this decision with you, Erlin. And we have seen God's um, faithfulness in your life and the way you've responded to him. And we've seen the maturity that you express. And so... It's such a joy today to celebrate your baptism with you. Dad and I are so honored, and we're so excited for you. We uh, see the goodness and truth that Jesus has put in you, and that's something that you take seriously and that you seek to live out in your life. A verse that I'd like to share with you is from Philippians 1, verse 6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior, and do you intend to follow him as your Lord? Yes. Upon the confession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Levi's dad and barber, I can uh, confirm that this is the same person that we saw with the flowing mane in the video. Um, Levi, uh, from the day you were born, you've been surrounded by love. I know that because I'm your dad. Um, and I know that the Lord has set his love on you. And he's loved you as a father far better than I could have. Um, just a couple of years ago, sorry, <laughs> this moment was but a flicker of faith in the prayers of mom and I. And in so many who are part of our church and our family. So I acknowledge, I want to acknowledge the Lord's faithfulness to you. He's been so good to you. And we've seen you turn towards him. And that that's borne great fruit in your life. You are a different boy than you were a couple years ago. Um, I often go for a walk at night and I like to, I, I, I always want to have, be visible so I wear headlights and so I keep buying them. And, and my kids keep losing them. And I was about to get frustrated in September, and I was like, man, and they lost another one. And then I found it in Levi's room um, because he wanted to read the Bible at night without disturbing his brother. And so I saw, we see the Lord working in you. And so we see you are such a mature 
young man with wisdom, and um, the Lord is, is, um, has grabbed your heart, and we're just so thankful. We love you. This family loves you. This faith family loves you. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Um, Levi, are you right now trusting in Jesus as your Savior, and do you tend to follow him for, as the Lord of your life for the rest of your life? Yes. And so, based on your confession of faith in Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. today witnessing you take this next step in your faith. Um, I've loved getting to know you throughout your life, uh, but more specifically in the last two years as one of your leaders in junior youth. Um, although most weeks I only see you for a very small little snippet of your week, your character and the fruits of the spirit that you live out are still so evident during our time together. You're kind, you're loving, and you have a soft and tender heart for those around you. Every week you Come to junior youth with prayer requests for your family and friends, not only because you care deeply for them, but also because you know that God is hearing your prayers as well. I have loved that I've not only been able to be your leader, but we've also been able to lead alongside of each other um, in different events. We've done PD days together, we've done day camp, and we've even babysat together at your own home. Uh, and guess what? I've learned a lot from you. You have taught me more about what it means to have a servant heart and to lead joyfully as well as you taught me a thing or two about patience. Um, often we are tested most with our patience around kids, and I have watched you demonstrate patience and gentleness to kids who either won't stop talking, or they're not listening, or not anything. That, so I've learned a lot from you, and I have watched you interact with them and go, wow, I can be more like Cameron. So I'm excited to continue to learn from you as the Holy Spirit continues to move in you. Um, as we were chatting this week, it was evident to me that your faith in Jesus is strong. You have seen God work in your life, and you're open and ready to hear his voice. In Psalm 139, we're reminded of the infinite knowledge of God, and how he knows us, and he's taking those steps ahead of us, and how he is with us, and he, most importantly, he'll hold us fast. So God is sustaining our faith and holding us up, maybe when our faith is failing and we feel weak. So my prayer for you is that you're clinging to these promises, and you're living a life of obedience to him. So I have the same questions. Are you trusting in God as the Lord of your life? And are you intending to follow him for the rest of your days? Yes. So based on the professions of your faith and obedience to Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 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 